Thank you for tuning in to Mocha Speaks. It's time for a real conversation. Speak your mind, speak your truth. Welcome back. Today's conversation is going to get really serious, and I need to state that the following views and opinions of this broadcast is not that of WXAG Radio or its owners. What's up, what's up? This is your girl Mocha Jasmine Johnson, and I'm back with my co-host. DJ Blackstar, what's good, y'all? Man, there's a lot that went on this Christmas Bruh, holiday. I don't know. How was your Christmas, by the Man, way? Man, first of all, let's 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 talk. See, Christmas, yeah. I'm just gonna be straight up. Right. It could be stressful. Yeah. So for the holidays, we hauled up the road. Did y'all? Down south. Mm-hmm. I say down south. Down south. We went down to Florida to visit um family. And of mm-hmm. course, when you're with a lot of family, a lot of things happen from mm-hmm. good to bad to arguments to proposals. Wait, you, arguments was a was a game of uh, spades involved? No, it was okay. my two youngest. Because <laughs> that, that, that breaks up relationships. I'm sorry. Nah, it was my two that youngest. It was my two youngest daughter. I had, mm. They just started arguing. I don't know what for, about mm. what. And mm. I said, you know what? I'm done raising kids right now. You didn't leave them, Dad. <laughs> Did you leave them? My, my Did, you young, leave them? Did you leave them? I wanted to leave them. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> no, this is what happened when I was at. I was at the store like the day after the uh, day after Christmas. There was like there was a there was a quick uh, uh, mom right behind me, and that's going to ask the cashier. It's like, do you have kids? And she was like, Nah. Do you want this one? <laughs> I'm they telling gonna, you. Yeah, and they're going to ask me the same question. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. And I was like, I live too busy of a lifestyle to mess around to raise another child or raise somebody, I need raise another human. Yeah. So, not right now. So I wanted to leave <laughs> mines, but, you know, this weekend I was reading the news as usual. Mm-hmm. And it made me start wondering, you know, back in the days when we, we began talking about the hip hop police. And does the hip hop police exist? Absolutely. And after I saw, uh, I would say, man, they really do because yeah. Little Wayne, Little Wayne just can't stay out of trouble. What did he do? What did he do this time? I think they out to get him. He didn't. He didn't actually do anything. Somebody snitched, okay, uh-huh. or thought wouldn't mind their own business, right? right. So they basically, Little Wayne has a jet, a private jet plane that he can just jump into and fly anytime yeah. he wants to. Yeah. So someone felt like they should call authority because um, I believe they're transporting drugs and they're doing something illegal. So by the time this man landed, mm-hmm. there was the feds, the police, mm-hmm. everybody and their mama waiting mm-hmm. for him. And they went on the, tra- on, on the plane mm-hmm. and they searched it. And of course, they found drugs. Of course, they found drugs. It's Wayne. Like <laughs> that's little Wayne. It's what Wayne. you thought you were going to find? Think he was gonna find? But for use, not for sale. Right. Okay. According to different things, because yeah. if it was for use, they would have arrested him. Yeah. Um. So according to the report from the Miami Herald, published on Monday mm-hmm. after December twenty third, federal agents, including members of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, searched a private jet. Mm-hmm. Um, owned by Little Wayne, he's 37 years old, mm-hmm. and they did find some drugs, and mm-hmm. there was no charges right away. But supposedly, after the holidays, they're gonna press some charges. Why are like, they gonna wait? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why I you... was like, wait a minute. Who gets discovered? Like, who gets discovered with drugs? And somebody said, um, in one of the news reports, because you have to really do your research. I'm yeah. telling y'all, when you see media stuff, do your research. Yeah. One person said, um, one of the media reports said they found a gold gun. So they found a gold a gun. A gold-plated gun. Gold-plated gun. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I just got a like a 44 caliber. I was like, <laughs> you know I, want, I want that thing dipped in gold. You know what I'm saying? Because I got that kind I of got money. I got that kind of money. You know? Blowing money. 
Ah, oh, man. I was like, what's up with the rock stars? They do all kind of stuff. Nobody's accusing them of transporting drugs. I'm saying, think about the 80s. Like the, like the 80s and 90s when rocks, like when rock and roll was like peaking. And they was doing, tw- Lord knows what was all found on that tour bus. Doggone drugs and blow up dolls and furry <laughs> animals. <laughs> You name it, was all up in there, and you ain't heard not a damn time. Yeah, nothing about no charges. No, no not a damn charge. But as soon as a man making some money, a black and, man, and a black man, and he has his private jet. Yeah, you know. So there is such a thing as hip hop police because yeah. they tend to target rappers. Absolutely. Except for Eminem, as yeah. if he ain't rap, he yeah. ain't a rapper. He he rapped too, and he oh, be. Yeah. He, wait a minute. Oh, Eminem rapped about putting his trunk, putting his girl in the trunk of his car many times a, before. <laughs> he's killed. He's killed his. Yeah. Okay, what about that? As soon as Kanye want to talk about George Bush, <laughs> well, we knew that. Like, as soon I know me some yeah. Kanye. I don't care. Yeah. I know. At that I know point, he's crazy, like, well, yeah. and I know he says some crazy stuff. But, at but that I time, love some Kanye yeah, at, at that time. time. At that time, at that time, it's, it's a yeah. But I mean, think about it. It's like you think about. I think it really started with with NWA when it first started, started saying "f the police." Because, I mean, and then it got to a point where anytime they started touring, you know, that's when that was like, yo, NWA is going to be here. They got the song at the police. Like, <laughs> bro, we, I mean, if you look in the movie straight out of Compton, like it, it pretty much explains that. Yeah, but, you know, they're and even think, using people rap lyrics nowadays oh, absolutely. to, to kind of seal your deal. You look, your boy, uh, who was it? Kodak Black. He messed around and. Oh, Kodak, he was doing too much. Yeah, and Bobby Schmurter. Him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they was still doing a little too much. Right. But okay, so we're gonna go to a commercial break, and then we're gonna come back and read a letter. And truth or myth? Did they try to destroy our generation by using hip hop music? Oh Lord! Going to a commercial. The Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement advocates for racial and social justice. Make sure you check out Teen Social Justice After School Club. It is designed to cultivate future leaders, encourage civic engagement, and build student self-confidence through travel, spoken word, and performing arts. This initiative is a part of the Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement and the School to Prison Pipeline Program. To find out more about our program or to register your child, visit www.aa movement.org the Athens anti-discrimination movement thank you for tuning in to Mocha Speaks it's time for a real conversation speak your mind speak your truth alright and we're back myth or fact did they use rap music to destroy our generation brother Akeem Oh, Lord. All right. So this letter, it's an open letter. Um, you can find this letter at hiphopisred.com. And this anonymous letter landed into the inbox of uh, someone. Uh, this is back in 2012. All right. I'm telling you now, it's a bit lengthy. It's 2012 yeah. this was written. Yeah. Okay. Almost right. six years ago. Yep. Well, no, seven. About to be eight. Oh, my bad. I can't. It's count. about to be 2020. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. My bad. All right. <laughs> so here's an anonymous, anonymous letter The Secret Meaning That Changed Rap Music and Destroyed a Generation. Hello. After more than 20 years, I finally decided to tell the world what I witnessed in 1991, which I believe was one of the biggest turning point in popular music. 
And ultimately, American society, I have struggled for a long time weighing the pros and cons of making the story public as I was reluctant to implicate the individuals who were present that day. So I've simply decided to leave out names and all the details that may risk my personal well-being and that those who were, like me, dragged into something they weren't ready for. Between the late 80s and early 90s, I was what you may call a decision maker with one of the more established company in the music industry. I came from Europe in the early 80s and quickly established myself in the business. The industry was different back then. Since technology and media weren't accessible to people like they are today, the industry had more control over the public and had the means to influence them any way it wanted. This may explain why in early 1991, I was invited to attend a closed-door meeting with a small group of music insiders to discuss rap music's new direction. Little did I know that we would be asked to participate in one of the most unethical and destructive business practices I've ever seen. The meeting was held at a private residence on the outskirts of Los Angeles. I remember about 25 to 30 people being there, most of them familiar faces. Speaking to those I knew, we joked about the theme of the meeting as many of us did not care for rap music and failed to see the purpose of being invited to a private gathering to discuss its future. Among the attendees was a small group of unfamiliar faces who stayed to themselves and made no attempt to socialize beyond their circle. Based on their behavior and formal appearances, they didn't seem to be in our industry. Our casual chatter was interrupted when we were asked to sign a confidentiality agreement preventing us from publicly discussing the information presented during the meeting. Needless to say, this intrigued and in some cases disturbed many of us. The agreement was only a page long, but very clear on the matter and consequences, which stated that violating the terms would risk and would result in job termination. We asked several people what this meeting was about and the reason for such secrecy, but couldn't find anyone who had answers for us. A few people refused to sign and walked out. No one stopped them. I was tempted to follow, but curiosity got the best of me. A man who was part of the quote-unquote unfamiliar group collected their agreements from us. Quickly after the meeting began, one of my industry colleagues, who shall remain nameless like everyone else, thanked us for attending. He then gave the floor to a man who only introduced himself by first name and gave no further details about his personal background. I think he was the owner of the residence, but it was never confirmed. He briefly praised all of us for the success we had achieved in our industry and congratulated us for being selected as part of this small group of decision makers. At this point, I began to feel slightly uncomfortable at the strangeness of this gathering. The subject quickly changed as the speaker went on to tell us that the respective companies we represented had invested in a very profitable industry, which could become even more rewarding with our active involvement. He explained that the companies we work for had invested millions into the building of privately owned prisons and that our positions of influence in the music industry would actually impact the profitability of these investments. I remember many of us in the group immediately looking at each other in confusion. At the time, I didn't know what a private prison was, but I wasn't the only one. Sure enough, someone asked what these prisons were and what any of this had to do with us. We were told that these prisons were built by privately owned companies who received funding from the government based on the number of inmates. The more inmates, the more money the government would pay these prisons. It was also made clear to us that since these prisons are privately owned, as they become publicly traded, we'd be able to buy shares. Most of us were taken aback by this. Again, a couple of people asked what this had to do with us. At this point, my industry colleague who had first opened the meeting took the floor again and asked our questions. He told us that since our employers had become silent investors in this prisons business, it was now in their interest to make sure that these prisons remain filled. 
Our job would be to help make this happen by marketing music, which promotes criminal behavior. Rap music being the music of choice. He assured us that this would be a great situation for us because rap music was becoming an increasingly profitable market for our companies. And as an employee, we'd also be able to buy personal stocks in these prisons. Immediately, silence came over the room. You could have heard a pin drop. I remember looking around to make sure I wasn't dreaming and saw half of the people with dropped jaws. My days was interrupted when someone shouted, Is this a effing joke? At this point, things became chaotic. Two of the men who were part of the unfamiliar group grabbed the man who shouted out and attempted to remove him from the house. A few of us, myself included, tried to intervene. One of them pulled out a gun and we all backed off. They separated us from the crowd and all four of us were escorted outside. My industry colleague who had opened the meeting earlier hurried out to meet us and reminded us that we had signed uh, had a signed agreement and would suffer the consequences for speaking about this publicly or even with those who attended the meeting. I asked him why he was involved with something this corrupt and he replied that it was bigger than a music business and nothing we'd want to challenge without risking consequences. We all protested and as he walked back into the house, I remember word for word the last thing he said. It's out of my hands now. Remember you signed an agreement. He then closed the door behind him, then rushed us to our cars and actually watched until we drove off. A million things were going through my mind as I drove away, and I eventually decided to pull over and park on the side street in order to collect my thoughts. I replayed everything in my mind, repeatedly, and it all seemed very surreal to me. I was angry with myself for not having taken a more active role in questioning what had been represented to us. I like to believe the shock of it all is what suspended my better nature. After what seemed like an eternity, I was able to calm myself enough to make it home. I didn't talk or call anyone that night. The next day back at the office, I was visibly out of it, but blamed it on being under the weather. No one else in my department had been invited to the meeting, and I felt a sense of guilt for not being able to share what I had witnessed. I thought about contacting the three others who, kick, who were kicked out of the house, but I didn't remember their names and thought that tracking them down would probably bring unwanted attention. I considered speaking out publicly at the risk of losing my job, but I realized I'd probably be jeopardizing more than my job, and I wasn't willing to risk anything happening to my family. I thought about those men with guns and wonder who they were. I've been told that this was a bigger, bigger than the music business, and all I could do was let my imagination run free. There were no answers and no one to talk to. I tried to do a little bit of research on private prisons, but didn't uncover anything about the music business involvement. However, the information I did find confirmed how dangerous this prison business really was. Days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months. Eventually, it was as if the meeting had never taken place. It all seemed surreal. I became more reclusive and stopped going to any industry events unless professionally obligated to do so. On two occasions, I found myself attending the same function as my former colleague. Both times, our eyes met, but nothing, was, nothing more was exchanged. As the months passed, rap music had definitely changed direction. I was never a fan of it, but even I could tell the difference. Rap acts that talked about politics or harmless fun were quickly fading away as gangster rap started dominating the airways. Only a few months had passed since the meeting, but I suspect that the ideas presented that day had been success successfully implemented. It was as if the order has been given to all major label executives. The music was climbing the charts, and most companies were more than happy to capitalize on it. Each one was churning out their very own gangster rap acts on an assembly line. Everyone bought into it, consumers included. Violence and drug use became a central theme in most rap music. 
I spoke to a few of my peers in the industry to get their opinions on the new trend, but was told repeatedly it was all about supply and demand. Sadly, many of them even expressed that the music reinforced their prejudice of minorities. I officially quit the music business in 1993, but my heart had already left months before. I broke ties with the majority of my peers and removed myself from this thing I had once loved. I took some time off, returned to Yale for a few years, settled out of state, and lived a quiet life away from the world of entertainment. As the years passed, I managed to keep my secret, fearful of sharing it with the wrong person, but also a little ashamed of not having had the balls to blow the whistle. But as rap got worse, my guilt grew. Fortunately, in the late 90s, having the internet as a resource which wasn't at my disposal in the early days made it easier for me to investigate what is now labeled the prison industrial complex. Now that I have a greater understanding of how private prisons operate, things make make much more sense than they ever have. I see how the criminalization of rap music played a big part in promoting racial stereotypes and misguided so many impressionable young minds into adopting this glorified criminal behaviors which often led to incarceration. 20 years of guilt is a heavy load to carry, but the least I can do now is to share my story, hoping that fans of rap music realize that they've been used for the past two decades. Although I plan on remaining anonymous for obvious reasons, my goal now is to get this information out to as many people as possible. Please help me spread the word. Hopefully, others who attended that meeting back in 1991 will be inspired by this and tell their own stories. Most importantly, if only one life has been touched by my story, I pray it takes it makes the weight of my guilt a little more tolerable. Thank you. And we're about to go to a break. There you have it. The Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement advocates for racial and social justice. Make sure you check out Teen Social Justice After School Club. It is designed to cultivate future leaders, encourage civic engagement, and build student self-confidence through travel, spoken word, and performing arts. This initiative is a part of the Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement and the School to Prison Pipeline Program. To find out more about our program or to register your child, visit www.aa.com. Movement.org, the Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement. Thank you for tuning in to Mocha Speaks. It's time for a real conversation. Speak your mind, speak your truth. All right, y'all, we are back. Oh boy. That was a heavy letter, and um, see, a lot of people don't understand why I advocate so adamantly against mass incarceration because I consider it a new form of slavery. Yeah. And um, for years, in many different ways, you know, whether it's through the music, mm-hmm. um, through our hair, you know, there's so many ways that they discriminate against us. Absolutely. Or try to use different things to hinder us from making progress. And and over the years, you know, I'm an 80s baby with the rap. Right. I love... 80s, I would say 80s, 90s. Yeah. I love that, you know, that era. era. And that I golden era, as they say. You've seen it. Yeah. You've seen the change. And I'm like, Absolutely. what happened? Like, I mean, Lil Wayne is cool, you know, but why we can't hear more Kendrick Lamar? Or, yeah. you know, why we're not, you know, Drake and see the young generation, y'all need to really understand how powerful this these words and this music is. Yeah. And it's just you know, impacting our system and our heart and our minds. And, and, and then to hear this letter that was written in, in 91, 90, yeah, 91. And it's crazy that that 
thing about it, that particular era, like 1990 to 91, that's when that shift changed yeah. because, you know, we were talking earlier about the, you know, having the likes of like, you know, Salt and Pepper, MC Light, different things like that. But it was a trend of like you had groups like NWA and, you know, the people like just the ones from up New York, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like the group homes, just the more like, I guess, thugged out like kind of thing. So yeah. it seemed that seemed to be being pushed, you know, to the forefront. And then, you know, the how you know, Tupac, you know, his, even his energy changed. changed. Yeah. You know, towards the end, his energy changed too, because mm-hmm. he was one of the most like conscious brothers. Like even yeah. though he was rapping mm-hmm. hardcore, he was, he had some knowledge yeah. within his lyrics. Yeah. He had a baby yeah. telling stories. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, all I want to let y'all know is that most of these privately ran facilities are located in the South mm-hmm. and on the Western portion of the united states and yeah. include both state and federal mm-hmm. i also want everyone to know that georgia has the largest population under correctional control in the united states the law historically has been used to prevent black people from making progress and i want you to understand that there's a lot of people that cannot vote yeah. because of some criminal record right. felony i'm saying shoot if you went to jail and you served your time and mm-hmm. you came out yeah. you should be able you should be the one voting because yeah but didn't <laughs> it happen with uh i remember like when i think when obama ran the first time you know that was that whole ordeal but i think i know ti uh you know i think ti he was able to i think he was able to vote and that man is convicted felon that man done well basically they said you have to pay all your fines yeah and a lot of people don't understand that yes pay all your fines mm-hmm. your fees yeah. serve your whole time but ti has that money he dropped that he paid that yeah some people are paying fines and they're on probation for mm-hmm. like 10 years yeah. so therefore during that time they can't go mm-hmm. okay you know um i will also say this the prison system, the private-owned prison system, it's a business. It's yeah. there to make money. It's an investment. It's an investment. So it's not set up to help us to come out of it. No. If all it's the not people a correctional were, facility. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. even trying to... It, why would they try to really, truly rec- uh, correct and restore? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When they're making money off the prison systems. You know, so we're going to go ahead and go to a real quick commercial. But for the holidays, y'all better wise up, folks. The Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement advocates for racial and social justice. Make sure you check out Teen Social Justice After School Club. It is designed to cultivate future leaders, encourage civic engagement, and build student self-confidence through travel, spoken word, and performing arts. This initiative is a part of the Athens Anti-Discrimination Movement and the School to Prison Pipeline Program. To find out more about our program or to register your child, visit www.aa movement.org the athens anti-discrimination movement thank you for tuning in to mocha speaks it's time for a real conversation speak your mind speak your truth all right y'all now make sure you listen to this listen to this very carefully i want you to understand what we mean by privatized jail systems and how they make their money Let's suppose that it costs $100 per day to house a prisoner, assuming full capacity, including all administrative costs. 
and the prison in then the prison building can hold 1000 inmates. Mm. A private prison can offer their services to the government and charge 150 per day per prisoner. So there's a $50 profit right there. There's a $50 profit. They already making money. So basically, if we and I were to go to jail right now, that's like $300, like right there. Yeah. 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 So when you see those, you know, the guys on the side of the road in the blue, I'm going to say blue. It depends on where you're at. You know, it could be orange, blue. That's why I say mass incarceration is the new form of slavery because if somebody's working for free Mm -hmm. and the government or someone else is profiting off of that, what what do you call that? Slavery? Slavery. Okay. And also, the sad thing about it is that these prisoners don't make any money for their cells mm. while they're like, is, is it saying that can they put it in a savings account for when they get out? Why can't, why can't they put the $50 in a savings account, yeah. that extra 50 mm-hmm. Why can't they even split that 50 in half, give them 25 mm-hmm. Because when they come out, they still have court fees. Yep. That they have to pay right. that hinder them from voting because they have all these fees to pay. Yep. They're on probation. Mm-hmm. They can't get a job. Yep. They can't. It's it's just a, it's so many things. It's so many tied. hurdles. There's yes. so many hurdles that they try to have to overcome. Even after overcoming, you know, their time inside. Inside. They're still dealing with a lot of hurdles. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not right. It is not fair. So I will continue to fight against the school to prison pipeline. I will continue to fight against against mass incarceration. I will continue to advocate for us as black people yeah. to wake up. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like I said, I keep saying like 2020, that's supposed to be perfect vision. So 2020, the vision has got to be clear more than ever for in order for us to advance at this point. Like, yeah, unify 2020. 2020. Y'all better get it right. Is clear. You better figure it out. Like so, we have so many differences arguing over mm, here about this, arguing nonsense. over there about yeah. that. 2020 is a very important year and we better unify and figure out what we want Mm -hmm. and hold these people accountable to get what we want. But we also have to hold ourselves accountable by not bringing each other down. That's right. Go ahead, brother. Speak the truth. We got to start uplifting each other more. And when we see ourselves doing dumb things, understand that this system was built for us to fall between the cracks. It was was built so that we could fail. It wasn't built so that we could advance. Mm -mm. And if for it to be an equal playing field. Right. So let's stop chopping each other down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And figure out how to lift each other up because Absolutely. 2020 is real. Yeah. So this is a part two conversation because yeah. we are going to talk about reparations. Yep. And the whole the, the UGA situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. We're going to talk about UGA. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 want to do some type of... Um, what do you call it? Uh, some, something. They, they basically... They're trying to be like, my bad... Why can we make it up to you by being involved in the whole slavery thing. thing? And I'm like, I was a part of the movement uh, for over like two years now. Yeah. We're like, can y'all acknowledge that slaves were here and yeah. they helped build this school yeah. and give the students or the families that live here some reparations? Sorry. They was like, nah. But we're going to talk about that um, next week's show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, but what? let's talk about New Year's resolution real, real quick. quick. And one of that is stay out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Didn't you say it in Georgia? It was like the you said like the largest population in Georgia. The, yeah, yeah. In so, correctional facility. So, so don't so, do it in Georgia. <laughs> don't do it in Georgia. I'm gonna say it one more time. If you did not hear me, Georgia has the largest population under correctional control in the United States of America. Yeah. And laws have been used for years to suppress black people. I, I'm assuming y'all knew that, right? Oh, I mean, uh-uh. you could tell. So I'd New Year's New resolution. Year. What else can we tell them for the New Year's resolution? What is your New Year's resolution this year? I don't really have any resolutions because I feel like it's it's an ongoing thing. I and on top of that, I shouldn't have to wait until January first, twenty twenty, to start. Oh, you know go what I'm ahead. You know, we can start now. We can yeah. start right now. Yeah. Well, uh, my New Year's resolution is. I don't really have one. Yes, you do. <laughs> what was it? Get more organized. Oh, okay. Keep okay. a schedule. Okay, keep that's a schedule. That's why I brought you that calendar. Oh, yeah, that's right. Get more organized. <laughs> keep a schedule. I'm one woman with 10 jobs. Yep. It's the Jamaican in me. I yep. can't help it. And sometimes I'll be losing myself. I'll be like, where my head at? I okay? think, I, honestly, I think, I think more importantly, I think anybody can take. It's just take more, take better care of yourself. Yeah, that's right. Take better care of yourself. Wellness. Wellness, like yeah. mental. We're talking mental, physical, like all that, especially mental. Yeah. I think mental health is really important, uh, especially now more than ever. And there's so many services that are out there now, yeah. you know, and it's saying it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And for real, it, it is. So that is it. So make sure that you tune back in to our conversation. This is a very serious conversation. And we have to continue this conversation. Um, make sure you log on to www.mochajasminejohnson or Mocha Johnson edu. I was Mocha, about to say, like, how many you got, sorry. bro? M O K A H M O K A H Johnson edu dot com, where you will be able to see all of this show, all of these shows. Make sure you post your comment, call in. You know what I'm saying? Give us your opinion, your feedback. Register for MLK Day Parade. Yeah, it's going Come down real Come up to the soon. radio station for your application. And we're out. Thank y'all. See y'all. Happy New Year. This is... <laughs>